Okay, the law of group progress it manifests in the southwest direction and is governed by the seventh ray. In this direction of the cross is designated understanding. Those preparing to take their first initiation must discover this law. The esoteric title is the law of elevation and the symbol is the mountain and the goat. So this particular law relates to taking initiation because you can only take initiation as you unfold this law of group progress. You actually have to be integrated with your group, thinking in terms of the group mind and the group service work and working for the progress of the group as a whole. You live for the group and you aim to improve the ability of the group to serve all that the group contains so that it becomes a strong and viable group in this world. And so your thoughts are thoroughly integrated with the evolution of the group and this is the keynote for taking initiation. This law manifests once a probationer has manifested a rhythm of service and the spiritual discipline preparatory to taking of initiation. Initiation occurs whilst the candidate is working to completely comply with this law. It produces a disciple that is no longer centred upon concepts of self. Selflessness is an essential ingredient. Even subtle forms of spiritual selfishness must go. For instance, a demand that the master or spiritual preceptor focuses special attention upon them, which is often the case with younger disciples working for initiation. They want a lot of special attention from the teacher and often from the senior members of the group and they need of course a little bit more attention because of the fact that they don't fully understand the path. So they do take a lot of extra care and tuition. Self-serving activities are not on their agenda. And at this particular stage also the disciple working for their first initiation have got one foot in the material world and one foot in the world of the group. They often sort of very much involved with their family life, their material plane affairs, with making money and so forth. And they only coming to fully integrate with the group and understand that the group's needs and the group purpose and the group service work needs to become preeminent in their life and not subsidiary. So the concept of service must become an instinct. One must begin to develop abstract thinking and to clearly discern the problem that samsara opposes. And this is again another problem for younger disciples that are preparing for their first samsara is still still big on their minds and they are concerned with its problems but don't yet, have not yet been able to take their foot out of that mud, if I want to use that phrase, that samsara represents in their lives. Many other contacts with the spiritual group of world service the individual belongs to. Some may be the disciples' personal friends, others may be unknown or known but serving elsewhere in the world. The groups that consciously work together consist of free souls that do not submit to an authority figure directing them. Rather, we have groups of like-minded individuals together to share resources, concepts and energies so that together they can better serve. They answer to impressions from their own soul and from their individual internal contacts of hierarchy. Often they are unaware that they, that they have so contacted the inner teachers. What I'm trying to get to here in this, these few little statements, and I'm not sort of elaborating a lot 
here. But with regards to this law of group progress, not every member of the group that you're working with may, is known to you, necessarily is known to you. Some may be, and often the little group you're involved with are the ones that you're thinking of your group. But when you think about it and you look further afield, you'll find that in reality the members of your esoteric group are elsewhere in the world. Some may be unknown, some may be known or serving somewhere else. And in time you'll find these individuals but the little group that you're involved with with them you pledge yourself with them you serve and with them you are unfolding this law of group progress but esoterically the group is far larger than what you see around you and you'll find that all of them are working in their their various fields i for instance i'm often on the uh, on the net looking at some of these bloggers and these journalists and reporters that, that are writing the truth about the world as it is and not the mainstream media. Well, if, if I think about them as a unit, there we have a group and they are unfolding the law of group progress. They are involved in the same sort of service work, which is reporting truth to those that are ignorant of truth to the best of their abilities. And they are all over the world and they are quite prominent on the net and doing very, very, very good service. Most of them, of course, are initiates greater than the first. Most of them are somewhere around the third. But there you have my concept of this law of group progress explained in this type of idea. They are scattered in the world and yet at the same time they're serving together. And most of them, um, because they're involved in the same sort of service work, they have contacted each other through the net, um, sometimes through personal contact and so forth. They're friends with each other. Some of them are living so far away that they don't know them, but they know them on the net and so forth. But there's a group. And this is this type of uh, impersonality of group evolution that I'm trying to bring to the surface. And the same with our little group here. We are a more advanced group, even though we are small numbers, there are other members of our group elsewhere in the world and serving. We're not yet fully aware of them. And we all meet them at the appropriate time and integrate them into our service work. And for instance, my books, when they actually get out there, is one of these mechanisms of finding them and bringing them and incorporating them to our service. This law of group progress is involves more than just the few that we know. And this is the same for all other groups. And each one of these individuals, they may not be religious like we are, um, now of the masters, but they are responding to the impressions of their own souls. They're doing the service work that they as body suffers have incarnated to do. And their inner guidance prompts them to resist the forces of evil, however it manifests in this world. They answer to impressions from their own souls and from the individual internal context of hierarchy. And in brackets I see here, often they are unaware that they have so contacted the inner teachers. Much concerning the path of love, 
of how the givers develop and learn through right group activity. The deadly serpent of the critical mind must be totally must totally be conquered. Others' opinions and ways of service accommodated, and the sum of the group experience and the equipment to serve integrated by the group members in a harmonious way. Ego posturings of all type must disappear. United they stand for the service at hand, and each proffers well-considered help in the opportune moment. The service arena is ceaseless producing many challenges which must be met by all in the group and all of us know that this is so. It's ceaseless, never-ending and lots and lots of challenges and as you overcome those challenges so you can pass the initiation testings. And those that buckle at this ceaseless service work fall out and cannot pass the testings, cannot pass the initiations ahead of them. Each to their own capacity to fulfill the group purpose. The logical mind must rule all group decisions, thus emotional considerations must be kept in abeyance. All decisions must come via contemplative attitudes and group meditation, wherein impressions are received that complement the group's discussion and vision. Meditation should not be kept secret as this is but a form of selfishness, but rather preferred as advice and open-minded discussion, unless personal information comes that the disciple knows is not helpful in full disclosure to others. Spiritual competitiveness has no place in group evolution, and this is often what you see in group evolution as forms of competitiveness, and often when this form of competitiveness is not heeded or not, you know, they're not patted on the back, then they often leave because of their concept of competitiveness or concept of wanting to shine or be the greatest among you or whatever is not acknowledged. And I've seen this happen many times in group progress. Basically, you serve without concept, without consideration of being told you're so good. In other words, blowing up your ego or whatever. And often, of course, you'll get encouragement and from the other group members and everyone knows of the good work that everyone else is doing in their various categories and it's very very you can't really compare and so everyone adds their gifts their qualities that they've developed in their lives and we all acknowledge the usefulness the bountiness and and the gifts that are given to the group and the group is enriched as a consequence we grow and we walk together to light with all of these individualistic talents added to make the group purpose. The purpose grow, the purpose progress, the aura of the group um, becoming larger and larger until it includes more and more individuals into it. So the competitiveness concept must go. Wisely must all decisions be made. All have much to contribute to the developing service. All are being trained to eventually become masters of wisdom, and so must be accorded the freedom to reveal the extent of the love and light that must shine upon all. In this manner, the group grows together as a unit. Many are the ray lines that will constitute the membership of the group, and comprehension of the qualities of other ray lines helps to develop a sense of camaraderie. I've got in brackets magnetic interrelationships, which I think is a good interpretation of this concept of camaraderie, where people are joined together in the bondage of, of um, well, normally we'd use the term brotherhood, in this case it's sisterhood and brotherhood, 
whatever gender we want to do it. It's just simply magnetic into relationships of camaraderie, of service work and joy because it's fulfilling what the Christians would call God's will and what we call, of course, hierarchical planning. And we're all developing to become masters of wisdom according to our various different ray lines and um, service work arenas. And thus the group grows together as a unit. You can see this concept of group progress with many different talents, sharing the group purpose and making the group grow. And it's this diversity of, of the talent pool that is the, the power of the group to grow, to progress. Okay, the sense of camaraderie or magnetic interrelationships that unifies the group. Right mental discriminations, or the Kalpa in Sanskrit, produces right decisions in all aspects of the disciple's life. Advice can also always be sought from other group members, as the spirit of cooperativeness has been developed, and meditation is always the guide. Personality or egoistic characteristics must be held in abeyance. Only that designed to help based on love, purity of motive and perceptive insight must come to the fore. Group unity, group meditation and its focused activity become the keynotes of the disciple's life and must supersede all other considerations. The dual life of the disciple of inward focus and inspiration and outward service comes to the fore. And this dual life of the disciple, all of you know, where you're constantly focused inwardly and outwardly, you're serving with this spirit of camaraderie. Is that a French word? <laughs> As a consequence, the group will receive a downpour of energy and impressions that will guide them well upon the initiation path. The challenges of true group interrelation and the obstacles of the service work presents then poses the tests to be passed. So it's the challenges of true group interrelationship plus the service work or the obstacles. They are your testings. Once mastered along the lines that the first initiation demands, they allow group initiation to become possible. Above all, emotional perturbations of all types must always be stemmed at their root. Their causes sought for and weeded out. Mental equipoise should be seen at all times as the central characteristic of the group, no matter the form of service work rendered in the world. The arena of service will be characterised by the overall ray line of the group in question. In all such groups, there are always those that are more spiritually advanced, in other words, that are upon a higher initiation level, and can in intrinsically contact higher revelatory sources. The younger disciple should always offer respect to those of greater wisdom, and listen well to well-placed advice. Such advice, however, must never become a dictum by the senior disciple that he or she demands must be obeyed. True loving dispassion is the key phrase here as the younger ones can only learn from their own mistakes appropriately rectified. And this is an important note in all group service work. You can't dictate to others the way they must be. You can give them advice, which is well, well sourced, but if they make mistakes, they learn from those mistakes. And the, the gift of learning from your own mistakes is far greater than anything anyone can tell you. Sometimes, of course, if a younger one is threatening to make a mistake that could be disastrous for the group, they can be wisely sort of imprudently told not to 
act in such and such a way. But on the whole, we all grow through learning through our own mistakes. Okay, a heuristic approach. Now, the word heuristic means one who is learning through their own activities. A heuristic approach is therefore encouraged. New ones that are attracted to the group's service arena must be similarly taught. The group should, however, not unnecessarily entertain the existence of one whose egotism and other attributes are destructive to the group's meditative harmony. And this often is the problem with some groups. They bring into their aura disruptive entities and they keep them there for far too long. I've done this in the past. Everyone else that has led a group knows of the problem if they bring in destructive forces, encourage them because of loving-mindedness. All that enter the precincts of the group's aura come as aspirants or probationary disciples to them and must be provided a trial period where every effort is given to help them understand the group's verities and the way of discipleship. Those who consistently fail to comprehend the basics of group evolution normally weed themselves from the group structure because of incompatibility. However, this is not always the case, and the core members of the group should wisely discuss the needs of such candidates. Failure to pass the needed grade are many. It is better to have a small group of well-versed disciples than a large group with many unruly ones, consistently waylaying important arenas of service because of the emotionality of those demanding that they be served, that the egos be mollycoddled. The group should always be on guard of loving-minded tendencies, a major failing of disciples in training, where they seek to love, to give, but with a subjectively hidden selfish motive, or because they are naively optimistic of another's potential, and thus give them greater credence or leeway than they should. Serious problems then arise later down the track with the group's evolution. The third phrase, of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, also refers to Gemini twins and is associated with this group law. It is focused upon the southwest direction of understanding. Here we have the temple of initiation implicated, which is in Gemini twins, and therefore of the ritualistic means whereby a true identification of all with the all becomes possible. And with regards to Gemini, you know that the immortal brother is the temple hierophant. And at the front of the temple are the two pillars, Johaman Boaz. And the immortal brother is striving to gain access to that temple. And this Gemini, therefore, governs this particular law of group progress. The twins are said to consist of a mortal and an immortal brother holding hands in service to each other. Though in early stage they are in conflict and often warring. The poor in spirit are those aspirants that come knocking at the temple gates to enter the path of initiation into the mysteries. Officiating therein is the immortal brother, who is already a member of the kingdom of heaven, and whose task is to lead the mortal brother, those that are poor in spirit, via graded stages back to that kingdom. Those who are poor in spirit relative to the immortal brother, must develop the right qualities to partake in the ceremonial activities of the group service and related meditations. Gemini also governs the Ifrit double, the Nadi system, the comprehension of which becomes an esoteric part of the group's meditation inquiry. More of the mysteries concerning the awakening of the chakras are revealed as the greater identifications with the all happens as a response 
of the ASRAMIC service work that manifests. So you can see again this downpour of information from hierarchy um, becomes more and more relevant and prescient as the group expands their service work arena. Within the temple, the ritualized activities eventually brings into view the feminine lives governing nature, which of course we know to be divas. Cooperative activity then occurs and many internal visions are received concerning the nature of the path. Much is revealed concerning the nature of karma and of its rectification. Past lives consequently come to view, especially in relation to where the account books of ancient debts, usually perceived in negative terms, are to be settled. The higher way is sought and then trodden. Greater mysteries are revealed and inevitably a master evolves when the service arena is comprehensive enough and the laws of mind are fully mastered. The group represents the embodied Christ principle, invoking his sacrificial blood to the degree that they are able to help the needy. So the group manifests as a Christ as the service work unfolds, offering your heart's blood for the help of the needy all around you, which is the southwest arm being the opposite arm of the governing law of sacrifice, the qualities to which they are endeavouring to emulate. The blood is rhythmically pumped according to the law of cycles as governed by the seventh ray of ceremonial activity which governs this particular law. Such ritualized activity assists aspirants to enter the precincts of the temple where an initiation is possible. The higher chakra then awaken as samskaras of mental emotional living are transformed. And here, of course, with this law of group progress, I'm talking effectively about the first initiation, but it's really the group progress at every single expanse that initiation produces. First initiation, third initiation, fourth initiation, specific, I mean fifth initiation, specifically these initiations along the first ray line. The entire process of the evolution of an ashram concerns the ability to develop and project bodhicitta, which draws participants magnetically, using the law of magnetic impulse, into the cosmic temple that is the source of energy of love wisdom to our entire solar system. The group then travels via the northwest gate, utilizing the will to good, outwards upon the way of escape to cosmos. And of course what we're talking about here is this law of group progress is what brings you into hierarchy as a fully pledged ashram and then onwards as a group you travel to cosmos and one of my books is basically in the future groups will be building ufos to travel thus and there will be time when myriads of ufos will leave the planet to various stellar stellar spheres and this is a wonderful vision of mine of sons and daughters of humanity returning back from whence they came into cosmos. Okay. Eventually multifarious mandalas for cosmic travel space vehicles are constructed by those of our earth hierarchy to enable them to do so. The building process will become a major theme in the new era ahead of us. You can imagine a day maybe some hundreds of years or thousands or so years in the future when groups such as ours will be discussing our destinations in cosmos and working out the building of the UFOs to get us there. This building process will enable a major theme of the new era, become a major theme of the new era ahead of us. The esoteric rule of this fifth law is Pisces Ephesus, which in this case is integrated with the symbol of the mountain and the goat. The ancient symbolic representation of Capricorn as a goat 
with the tale of fish of a fish is implicated. In this version, it is thus a version of Makara, the mystery, veiled by the sign Capricorn, which concerns the nature of transition from a watery to a fiery constitution. We then have the evolution of Karma Manas, Desire Mind, and its eventual conversion to Bodhicitta. The initiate the sure-footed goat is able to survive on the courses of material substance, can climb the hard rocky mountain of materialism, and finally upon the summit attain the transfiguration experience associated with the third initiation. The fish's tail symbolizes the sum of the waters of sensation, or samsara, from which the initiate evolves and comes to master as the mountain is climbed. Path from initiation therefore properly begins in this sign, and is at first focused upon the attainment of the first initiation, but later shifts to the third. Eventually upon this path, the world saviour arises at the end of a major cycle, the onset of Praleia, as signified by the sign Pisces. Consequently, this is the law of elevation, because by following its precepts, it comes to elevate the humblest disciple or the humblest aspirant to the highest peak of accomplishment. Understanding of the nature of the path helps make it so. So the law of elevation is the law of group progress. You elevate yourself to higher and higher stages of perception as you learn to serve the all. And you do that selflessly. In the Bible it says without murmurings and disputings. <laughs> Just simply serve. You serve because you love humanity. You love the service work. And you love hierarchy. And so your vision is this concept of expansive progress. Or the next law, the law of expansive response. But of group progress. Where the group progresses. Because the aura of the group is expanding. And it's incorporating more and more entities into it until it becomes a vast world sphere, a cosmos in your visioning. You elevate yourself higher as you serve the lower. You ascend to a Shambhala with your back to it, serving. Okay, that's the law of group progress and the next one is the law of expansive response.